0: From Red Kite Prayer, this is the Paceline, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host Celine Yeager. Each week we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Um, before we get to you and your weekend, I just want to jump in with one news I, I have the suspicion that we might be talking about that rather significantly. Perhaps, um, yes. <laughs> Um, just, I want to, I want to hit one newsy little thing real quick because it really blew my mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. I wanted to mention that, uh, American airlines has announced that it is eliminating the charge for traveling with a bike. That's I
1: can't even believe it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, physics just ran backwards or something, (laughs) you know, they just lopped $300 off of each round trip ticket. For those who travel with a bike, this is traditional bike case. You don't have to go with S&S couplers like my bike. Okay, so that brings the total number of domestic carriers worth traveling with to three Southwest, (laughs) Alaska and now American. Given the way airlines are finding new ways to raid your wallet with each flight to see some movement in the opposite direction isn't just nice. It is practically a miracle.
1: It is amazing. It is amazing. It is. That is an amazing move. And I I really hope it pays off for them. I don't know anything about the backstory. Do You know anything about the backstory?
0: <laughs> no, because I mean, it's the backstory is somebody did something sane at an airline. Somebody did something that wasn't completely antisocial, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, like actually trying to treat you like a human yeah. being trying to yeah use your service to get somewhere.
0: Right. Instead yeah. of stuffing me into a shoebox.
1: <laughs> and charging me for every peanut that I want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh,
0: yeah, Yeah. I, yeah. So it's, this is huge news for anybody who's contemplating a summer trip and hasn't already booked. Seriously. Totally. Look at American. Um, oh, it's, it's huge. I mean, yeah. you know, and if there are a couple of you, I mean, that's for us, it's, that's
1: $600. I mean, yeah. that is, that's, that's, that's your hotel. the airfare. I mean, or, yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: or a hotel. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal, big big deal. Completely changes re- the economics of every trip.
1: Yeah, and I really really hope everybody everybody try to reward them because you know God knows there have been some airlines that have treated us really poorly over the years. So yeah, I, I'm gonna reward them whenever we can. For
0: yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, get yourself something, get yourself something great in the process. <laughs> yeah, hey, you just saved a lot of money. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, my my mind reels. <laughs> uh well okay so to jump on in (laughs) let's hear about your weekend
1: yeah you know I I knew that I was correct (laughs) I knew (laughs) oh oh. I knew but I knew I was I knew going back for those who may be stepping in here without hearing last week's show uh, I had a 55 mile mountain bike race quite primitive mountain bike race and I have a I basically said I was I was ready and that I am not obviously unfit, but I was not prepared. That was, that was my point. Um, and I was indeed correct on that ass- assessment of myself. Um, and again, it's not that I'm not, I don't have endurance or I don't have miles on my legs. It, it was that I knew that I had not been racing or even really riding my mountain bike in any meaningful way. I've been spending hundreds of miles on the gravel You know, all kinds of stuff, riding my mountain bike for fun here and there on the weekends, you know, short rides, those short social rides on my mountain bike, but not the kind of preparation that you really need to do a 55 mile, 7,500 feet of climbing primitive mountain bike race in central Pennsylvania. And um. You know, because it really I thought I had a lot of time to think about how much it matters, but it really it really matters where I live because it's hard going here. So the writing is technical. It demands a lot of attention and a lot of energy. And so even if you're like, okay, you know, I know I'm not super ready for this, so I'm not going to drill it, you know, just go for any hole shots or anything like that. It doesn't really matter because. (laughs) Yes. Because the terrain demands that you work hard just to get through it. You know, it's a it's hard. The thing is just hard. There's no no soft. (laughs) Exactly. There's very little, like maybe a half hour all said and done, maybe start to finish that you could if you wanted to, um, soft pedal. And you just, you know, the, you know, it's like you're looking at six hours out there. You're not. You're not going. you, You just. There's only so much. You know. A lot of it was fresh cut. Um,
0: you
1: know, yeah, fresh cut off camber, wet, technical. Did I mention 7,500 feet of climbing? I mean, it was a No, lot. you hadn't
0: gotten to that bit yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 7,500, just in case I didn't mention that three okay, or four so times. Okay, so about
0: 150 feet per mile, which is stiff by all standards.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, uh, and the descending was also not, like, sometimes you can do that and you can get to the top and be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, like swish down and, and. It Enjoy. was, oh my Lord, two of the descents were like full on, your rear buzzing your back tire, ruckus style, vertical shoots filled with leaves and bouncing loose rocks, like big boulder loose rocks. Hmm. Um, yeah, the highlight was I got to the bottom of one of them and it was like a yard sale. Like people were, A, a lot of guys were like on the side, totally cramped up. Because it was also very hot. It reached the 80s and it has not been that hot here. So they would like shedding salt on the ascents and then just cramping like cockroaches all the way down. Like just lying like.
0: Because you've got that static muscle tension from (laughs) holding that position in the descent.
1: They were long. And there was this guy that was at the bottom of it. And I was riding, you know, riding next to him. And he's like, okay, one to ten. And he turned his head because he had just crashed really hard. Um he's like I'm not I'm not concussed but he had torn his ear like he had he had raked his ear along the ground and he was like how bad is it and I'm like <laughs> well, it's not like reservoir dogs or anything
0: and <laughs> Oh that'll make somebody feel better
1: <laughs> and he's like we should ride together so we spent the rest of it like we rode a lot of the hard stuff uh, together which was fine it 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 wasn't dangling off but it you know it was it was kind of cut anyway So this is, this is the day and it's hard and you're burning a lot of energy and I'm not a cramper, but I do, I need acclimation for digestive purposes. My gut is way more likely to go south when it's that first hot and I have not had any time to sort of get, you know, I just did lulaka waka in 38 degrees and ate like seven sandwiches, no problem, right? Like, and finished feeling great and really strong. I could barely choke down anything. Like my stomach went south pretty quickly. And I use the old Allen limb trick of like dumping water over my head. And it, it helps quite a bit. Like if you can try to cool yourself down, Uh it does, it does help. But once your stomach goes off, it's, it's really hard to get it back. You know, it's really hard and it's hard to put any, like my power was not very good. I was steady. I mean, I could, I could move along, but I couldn't, Uh I couldn't charge by any stretch of the imagination. And You know, we went through technical stuff that takes a lot of work. It was harder. It was just it was just a harder day. Um, And I I knew that was going to happen. I could tell that was going on pretty early because it got hot fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I did, I did this little trick that I've been doing during some of my long, miserable training rides, like over the winter. Just just this year, I started doing this like I'd go out and it'd be cold and it'd be raining. And three miles in, I'm thinking, my God, we have what? 60 or 70 to go. Like You know, I can't, I can barely, like I, I look at my computer and I just want to turn around, you know? It's just like, what are we doing? So I I just simply, it sounds very simple because it is. I switch screens on my Wahoo to just the elevation screen, like no mileage, just, uh, so all I see is like, when we're going up and, you know, when we're going down and I can watch the elevation tick and it's kind of interesting, but it, it, it does this, it flicks it flicks this little switch inside myself mm-hmm. where it makes me look up and out in my surroundings a little bit more. And it puts me out of my, cause I am very goal oriented. It puts me out of that, you know, must make the miles go by faster mode mm. into like adventure mode. But so uh-huh. I could still be moving along pretty well. And, it, you know, sometimes I am sometimes not as much, but it, it doesn't matter as much. And it's, my brain is just more like, okay, we're in this. We're out for however long we are. <laughs> yep. Like, let's see where we go and, how, you know, what we see along the way. And um, I've been pleasantly surprised as I was on Sunday. You know, I wrote like a blog post about it and I, or a little Facebook post about it. And I was just like, you know, the hours vaporized, like the mist. And they really did. Like I was like, there for six hours. It poured you know, it was it like all kinds of things happened. It was, it was, a, it was truly a crazy day, but it just, it didn't, I, I looked down at some point point. I was like, wow, we're 43 miles in, you know, and it just didn't, and it, yeah. Yeah, hours had passed, uh-huh. but time had done this strange warpy thing, even though I was not feeling super great. Mm-hmm. And, uh. It's worked for me. Like just doing that little switch has really worked. Whenever I'm not feeling it, I'm like, I'm not looking at this. I'm not looking at my screen. I'm mm-hmm. not going to have that down. So I'm just staring because miles. You know, we're not in kilometers here. Like I guess I could switch to kilometers, but then I'd never know how far I was and anything. But um, <laughs> but they they you know miles move by kind of slowly, especially when you're in the woods on rocks. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. like, yeah, um, it's been. I, I was. So I ended the day, you know, in a, like a good headspace and I never really got in a bad headspace, you know, I mean, I wasn't, but it was it wasn't challenging.
0: So working your way out of a challenging headspace is, I mean, that's not a guaranteed thing. That's true.
1: That's true. But that, that which is sort of my question to you. So like stuff's going South. Do you have that kind of thing? Do you know, like a, th- a go, a th- go-to thing that's like, okay, here I am. This is, this is what I'm going to do.
0: Well, Since, uh, since a great headspace, since, since the, the prospect of being in an event and thinking, yeah, Mm -hmm. we're in for a day. I'm Mm going to tear this up. That doesn't happen for me a lot. (laughs) You know, uh, I mean, as you may recall, I recently discovered that my right leg is only 50% and not even. 50% the strength of my left leg, uh, my left leg is twice the strength of my right. (laughs) And so, uh, it is not what we'd call a surefire recipe for success. And so I have to be prepared to spend a whole lot of most every day that I have a number on my bike, just sort of in the pain cave that Mm. this is the day I've signed up for. And if right. I'm not prepared to just be out there slogging away then I should have stayed in bed. And so uh now I'm I'm curious to know more about your definition of preparation given that you had solid aerobic fitness, you had solid endurance, uh you obviously have bike handling skills. How you know what are those other pieces that you're thinking about that cause you to think I'm not entirely prepared and pure because-
1: specificity, pure specificity, Okay, specific because it's because it matters so much here. Like being mountain bike racing here is very, very different and it's much slower and it's much harder. Mm-hmm. And I know that. And I, as I mentioned last week, what I do when I know I'm going to go in, not something short, but something that's that measurable, mm-hmm. I will, I'll spend at least two days a week, putting time in on my mountain bike. And a lot of times I'll ride the road or I'll ride gravel on my mountain bike just so I can get that time, mm-hmm. you know, just that, just the time on it, because it's just, it's just different. It, you yeah. know, and I, and I, and the, you burn more energy. So you have to eat more or differently, you know, it's, it's the whole thing. And, and that adds up, mm-hmm. it adds up on in a long event. Right. And I, you know, I didn't, I do, I'm not a, I'm not one of those people that puts the excuse caboose out in front of me. I wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to have a terrible day. Cause I'm not prepared. I was optimistic. You know I mean? Cause mm-hmm. I know, I know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> so I was, yep. I was optimistic that I would have, if it hadn't have been that hot, I don't think I would have had that hard of a day. The heat definitely, mm-hmm. <laughs> that has happened to me all through my cycling life, my career, you know, my bracing career. Like sometimes I get away with it, but if I don't have ch- a chance to acclimate, it's hard. The, the well, risk of the the gut, the gut thing is real. Yeah, and then it then the day becomes this whole other thing. And now I know how to, you know. And I was actually kind of proud of how I managed that too, but, because other I'm times it would have been more, more miserable
0: about just what you were doing. Okay, so like you couldn't eat seven sandwiches. What were you eating instead? What well, was plan I had, B?
1: Yeah, plan B. Well, plan B is pretty much I had a bunch of stuff in my pocket, so I would have different options, right? So I had. Um, I had a couple of gels, I had light drinks, I had heavier drinks, I had fig bars, I had things of all different densities and flavors. And when I get to that place, I need not necessarily a gel because sometimes my stomach is just like, I don't know about that, but something that I can put (laughs) in my mouth that will digest almost without chewing it, (laughs) you know, that is still food that helps a lot. And then I can just swish it down with water and swallow it just to get it into my system and let it sort of work its way through like that. That was my go to. And I had a bottle on my bike that was only water that I could dump over my head. And that really helps a lot, too, because if I can let my body know that it's not in crisis, it Uh will give me more digestive power. (laughs) You know, like that's that's actually a thing. Alan Lim taught me that. And it's true. Like if you you know, when you're heat, when you're getting into the danger zone and heat, your stomach just has no digestive ability. It's sending its blood everywhere. It's going to your skin, it's going, you know, your it's that other stuff just gets pushed to the side. Say so that can, Alan
0: Lim quote one more time. That was that was juicy. Say it one more time. Which one? The uh, the 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 about crisis thing that that he told you when you're
1: I did I forgot what I just said. Oh, but it's it's, it's, it's okay. yeah, I mean it is basically what you when you you have to let your body know that it's not in crisis. Yeah. When your body yeah. knows it's not in crisis, it allows you to digest and eat and take care go. of it. But once you're, it, once it feels like you're in crisis, all that it takes, all that other stuff goes by the wayside. It's just <laughs> like we're not sitting down having a meal right now. We're you're, you're you're overheating. The temperature is into, you know. So it's just not letting you. You're not putting down power and eating a bunch of stuff. But if yeah. you can cool down, you can it. it it changes things. Like we had a bunch of stream crossings and every stream crossing, I put both hands in the water to cool off my hands and just poured the water down the back of my neck. And that helped a lot like that, those, those things. And then I'd be like, "Oh, I feel kind of good, you know, but it didn't last as long as I wanted it to, but it, it it gave me bright spots throughout the day for sure. Uh Um, I didn't stay in that miserable spot, but I just, I stayed hydrated because that's very, very important. You know, mm-hmm. even if your gut is south, you got to stay hydrated because hydration is power. You need to keep your blood volume up. I've got enough fat stores to get me to wherever Morocco, but I need to. You need some carbs to burn fat, and you need some some carbs to just keep going. Right. So I just was like, get the carbs you need in as you can. Keep cool. Keep hydrated. That was my that was my mission, and it and it worked. I mean, I I never got super powerful, but I didn't go all the way into dim either. You know, mm-hmm. just sort of played around in that middle ground.
0: Wow. Uh, Fascinating stuff. You know, I, I mean, I know that I would struggle, you know, having had weather conditions change that much in such a short period of time. And I mean, honestly, that's, you know, that's part of the bag of tricks that you have to develop living in the mid Atlantic States, the way you do you, you get all the weather, all of it.
1: Yes, and like last year, you know, we had a two two days where there was a, a very the monkey knife fight, which is that really hard hilly ride. It was out of nowhere, eighty five degrees in in April. People were just you could just see the salt on everybody because yeah. when you're not acclimated yet, you shed a lot of salt right away. I mean, that's just part of the acclimatization process, and that's why there were t- I've met so many guys cramping, so many guys cramping on uh, because they were <laughs> it was almost an enduro kind of event like. You just climbed and climbed and climbed, you know, 40 minute climb, 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 and then get on these like, oh, my God, here we go. Hail Mary, full of grace trails. And, you know, all the way down the mountain. And that, that's, you know, your arms are pumping up, you know, you know what it's like. It's And then let's do it again. We're going to climb, climb,
0: climb. <laughs> <laughs> Man.
1: Yeah. The beginning <laughs> and the end had some fresh cut trail and then some pretty, pretty fun stuff. But the middle section was was very a lot of stamina, endurance, and hard.
0: Wow. Uh, well, cheers to you. I mean, that's uh... yeah.
1: I managed. I managed fifth. I missed my podium. I didn't even know I got on the podium. That was actually kind of crushing to me. Oh. So I fin. So I kind of finished. I didn't know they were going five deep, and I knew I didn't have a great day. I knew I wasn't. It wasn't terrible, but I knew it wasn't great. I knew I wasn't in the top three for sure. Uh-huh. Um, and. Then, <laughs> I, a storm had rolled in, as I'd mentioned. Uh-huh. So I get done. It poured buckets just right at the end. Wind. Get done. I go up to my tent. My tent is upended. It's upside down. The wind <coughs> had blown it upside. Yeah. Even better. So my friend um, walks up with me. My friend Rich walks up. He's walking my bike. We open we open the tent, and it looks like a small animal had been killed in there. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, what? It's, it's like, i like, I don't know, dude, I don't know. And then I looked and I had left the um, cap of my Blackberry Osmo a little ajar and it emptied and it was, it turned into raspberry Osmo all over the walls of the tent. That's a great time. And I had no dry clothes because everything was wet. Um,
0: oh my gosh. And sticky, I suppose.
1: Not everything got covered with Osmo. So that I, I took that as a bonus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, uh I do have a couple more questions for you. One, when you switched to uh the the elevation screen on your yeah. Wahoo element, uh that can report data two different ways. If you're just out doing a ride, you know, you're at the edge of the earth at all times mm-hmm. and you right. have no idea about what the future is. Had you already downloaded the route so you had some sense of what was coming?
1: I wish we didn't have that option. Oh, I love to do that. I love to actually be able to see. I was at the edge of the earth the whole time, but I could look up and see daylight and see where we were going. <laughs> I could see.
0: OK. okay. Yeah. Because I mean, those, you know, those I are like two different mindsets. Yes. It's, you know, it's. Uh, oof, wow. Uh, that's really something. Um. <laughs> yeah, it was an adventure. Yeah the other thing I I'm curious about I've always been a little bit averse or or reticent to go dumping lots of cold water on my head because it runs down my back and then runs into my bibs and then soaks my pad and then I end up with a monkey butt oh. um and
1: so you're not I mean, already soaked? I,
0: well I mean it's you know, there's one thing of being sweaty, and then there's another thing where, right. you know, you're sweaty, clammy, and you end up with a uh, hyena butt. Well,
1: let's let's recall that I have ridden a couple of 112-mile bike rides in the saddle on aero bars after swimming two and a half miles in the same chamois that I'm now going to run a marathon in. So I'm not adverse, <laughs> like having a, a really wet, you know, it just doesn't... I. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not I uncomfortable. my Oakley stuff I did put on, I don't always use chamois stuff, but I did that mm-hmm. day. I used, um, the Oakley stuff, which is wax based. Yep. And I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a couple of like chafey, chafey thing, but I never, it never got terrible. I never got like, oh, that's going to be bad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, it's hard for me to predict exactly when I will end up with the, the aforementioned right. monkey butt but it happens on occasion. And you know, it's one of those things where as long as I don't end up with that, I'm willing to endure anything. But once those tissues start getting a little inflamed and irritated from being too damp for too long, um, then it's like, okay, anything to keep from getting wetter. I wonder if the chamois matters Oh, because I definitely have,
1: you know, chamois that is less forgiving. Of that yeah. and I, sh- I should mark them because I don't, you know. And I'll be out and one. I'll be like, oh, this is the one that's less forgiving and, and is more sandpapery when it gets wet like that. Um, but I was no, I, I never had. It. That was not a problem. That was not a problem. And I was very glad that I had the foresight to put my phone in a bag, even inside my Camelback Chase vest, which I wore. I broke my. I broke broke the biggest rule of all, as I never. I was tearing tags off that Chase vest in my tent <laughs> the morning of the event. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, never use anything new on race day, but here we go. Because I just knew that I was going to need, because it was going to be hard to drink, and it was hot. And I loved that thing. I am an avowed. I'll say it again. I used. I gave it my pick before I really, really tried it. I, as a longtime, two decade avowed pack hater, I would wear that thing anytime. It doesn't move. It sits high. I had full access to all my pockets. It was really, really good. It's super well
0: thought out. It is not yeah. the most attractive thing to be wearing, you know, it's Mine's not purple, really a great it's fashion. Plum. It's nice. Okay. Uh but I mean like it covers up your jersey, you know. Um but I was covered in mud, pollen, <laughs> bugs.
1: It's My tears. It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, the sins of others. Uh um, right. it's everything. It's remorse. It, it is it is an exceedingly well thought out piece, uh, yeah. and it it I will I've got one. Uh, it is one of the three hydration packs that's getting packed up with me.
1: Totally, I would uh, now that I've spent that much time in one, I would highly recommend it. Yeah,
0: really. Yeah. Good the piece only of question is like which leg of my two hundred it'll be used on.
1: It's a great question.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. One we don't have a, an answer to yet.
1: I, I I'm not willing to give you one yet. I'll think on it. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. All right. That's me. What do we have? Ooh, uh, so I've been giving some thought to what cycling communicates. I mean, hmm. so besides fitness and the obvious mental release that goes with a hard ride, what lasting effects does cycling have on a person? I tend to think about lessons, about wisdom gained, if not earned. And hmm. I'm going to start with a particularly personal example It's going to have to start with, hopefully, a brief digression. Um, As you and our listeners are well aware, I've shared that I've battled some depression in the last few years. Um, I even wrote uh, a lengthy feature for bicycling about it uh, as the driver for my trip to Japan a few years ago. And the effect my depression was having on my marriage and my family the feature ended in a rather open-ended fashion with me saying that the only thing I could be certain of was my willingness to do the work to be healthy. Uh well, uh the time has come to say that my marriage didn't survive.
1: I'm sorry to hear that.
0: I've uh, kept quiet about this piece of my life uh though the decision was finalized more than a year ago. Um I bring this up because of something I said when my ex-to-be and I went to marriage counseling. Uh, I'm really not sure why this is. I mean, I, I just, I can't even explain it, but I did have the presence of mind in our very first session to tell our counselor uh, in at the beginning of the meeting, and this is literally verbatim what I said. I told her, look, I was a bike racer. I was never a very good bike racer, but I was a bike racer. And by that, I mean, I'm not afraid of, of hard work, I'm not afraid of suffering to get to a worthwhile outcome. Were I to pick one lesson that changed my view of myself and of what I'm capable, uh, as a result of cycling and bike racing, that's it. I'm not afraid of hard work. Mm-hmm. It has shaped so much in my life, from graduate school to the physical therapy that I'm doing right now. To counseling, both personally and in my marriage. Um, Hell, you know, the editing process. (laughs) Working on that feature, 88 Temples with Gloria and Leah, uh, was in many ways just as hard as the counseling I was doing at the time. I remember a line from Leah in one of the emails. He's being evasive. Get it out of him. (laughs) I was like, oh, gosh. Okay. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, I mean, to put a fine point on that point, you know, when my ex to be read the feature, she was pretty shocked and even congratulated me, uh, on writing something. So as she called it, brave, Mm -hmm. uh, given our situation, having her, you know, validate some effort on my part (laughs) was, uh, kind of, kind of shocking. Um, you know, we've managed to maintain a, a very, uh, very friendly and, and civil, uh, situation. That's good. Um, yeah. Uh, so now that that's out there, um, (laughs) I want to make this something larger, uh, about more than just me and my personal life. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things we, we've tended to go on the personal side here. Mm Uh, I, I'm, I think proud to say that we keep it pretty real life on bikes. Yeah. So, uh, the thing I want to do though, is, you know, posing that as a question, Celine, what has cycling taught you? Not (laughs) necessarily bike racing, (laughs) though. That could be a part of it, but what's one of the most crucial lasting lessons you've gained from this sport?
1: I, Oh, I could write books. (laughs) (laughs) You have probably, probably have. Um, in a, in one word, endurance and in every shape of that word, um, I've learned that I am capable of much, much more than I ever thought I was. And in, in so many aspects of my life, certainly athletically, uh, I've said before that Ironman was transformational, transform, transformational in that way. Uh, all those stage races have been cumulative too, in, in teaching me that you can accomplish so much if you put in the work and put <laughs> your head down and keep going and even when things are not going well as I've just illustrated uh, I've learned that if you keep moving forward and taking care of yourself you can generally eventually get to where you want to go that's that I I keep that lesson with me always and You know, I've thought a lot about this lately. So this is an interesting point that you're bringing up because I've it's also taught me that it's not really about me when all is said and done. And this is something that I've been wrangling in my head and wrestling with very like just over the past year or two, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I, I spent a lot of years putting in all that work to do those things And it yielded some amazing results, you know, at least for me. I got to travel the world. I won a few races. I stood on a few podiums. But after a while, it started nagging me. Like, why why was I doing it? For trophies (laughs) and podium pictures? You know, like, was that meaningful? I'd walk around the house, like, literally just wondering, like, looking at, like, an award and be like, what does it mean? Has that made any difference in the world? Have I made any difference in the world? (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And to not feel like that it's made any difference in this world, except for your own accolades. So, you know, and, and then, of course, there's the aspect that you don't step on podiums forever. So then what? You know, and and did you spend all those years working so hard so you could bask in the glory of your trophy case? And, like, that thought, frankly, tortured me. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, somewhere along the way, as I would think about this on bike rides and at events, because I kept doing all this stuff, it was obviously, it obviously (laughs) meant something. It was obviously integral to who I was. Um, It dawned on me that while I was seeing what I was capable of was fun and satisfying for me, it really wasn't and is not just about me. It's about the people who I meet at races who tell me that I've inspired them to go take chances and go race something like a Dirty Kanza. It's the women that I met at BC Bike Race 10 years ago, when very few women were doing these events, who came up to me, found me and said, we are here because of you, because we saw that you were out doing this and we believe that we could try it too. You know, it's, it's men and women who I meet who say they've lost a bunch of weight that they didn't want and they got healthy and they're so much happier because they always saw me smiling in pictures on my bike and they thought, wow, that looks fun. Maybe, maybe I'll try it. And, you know, it's because I believe that we are here to help each other and to move humanity forward, ultimately, for the next generation. That, that's a, one of my core beliefs. And maybe I'm not curing cancer with all my work. And, you know, maybe I'm not curing any diseases or getting Nobel Peace Prizes. But, but maybe, just maybe, I'm helping somebody avoid cancer by being healthy in their lives. And maybe, just maybe, I'm helping a cancer or a heart disease researcher. Keep his or her sanity or have ideas because they went out on a bike ride and got exercise and, you know, brain grew brain tissue. And I really believe in the power of one and that our responsibility in life is to lift as we climb. Like, I really believe that those are words I try to live by. And I think that my little role here in this big world is to keep pedaling up this mountain and bringing as many people along with me as I can until I reach the end. And that I've thought about that so much. And I'm actually so grateful that you've given me the chance to say it because I haven't really had the outlet for expressing that, but it's been in bubbling inside me for about two years. now. Oh.
0: I think, I think I've sensed that about you for a while. And I think it's one of the reasons I reached out to you to become a part, uh, the other part of this podcast, um, because you are to me, you know, my view of you and how you uh how you engage the world is so inspirational. You know, and what you were just sharing about, you know, just keep moving forward. I remember seeing you and Allie Tetrick at <laughs> the finish of Dirty Kanza. And it, here's this badass woman. Well, two of them in fact. Oh but, you no, know, but
1: that was so I was so humbled by her by her by the fact that she was motivated by what I said. And yeah. Here she is.
0: She's she wins the thing in fantastic fashion. And what does she do when she crosses the line? She says something any one of us would have said. Your words were rattling around in my head as I was at Just keep pedaling. All I have that to do meant is keep pedaling. So
1: much to me. I can't even tell you how much that meant to me. I can't I, I I'm still dumbfounded that she came up to me and was like, Wow, I'm I'm living I'm just like, okay, this is this is well, what it's I mean, about cuz she it, then she takes that power and takes it to her giant platform, right? Like that's yeah. that's the thing.
0: I mean, but the the great miracle there is that if it works for her, if it's going to work on her, it can work on <laughs> yeah, like any yeah. one of enough. us. You know. I hadn't even thought about we that. We look at her as right. somebody who doesn't need any help. All the rest of right. us need help. She doesn't need help cuz she's already badass. Um and yet, oh, if it helps her, I, I I better sink my claws into that. Hang on.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's Yeah. But, cool. So keep pedaling,
0: man. Forward progress.
1: Yeah. Take care of yourself.
0: Yeah. Um you know, I, I'm I'm pleased to be able to say it's been a uh my personal life has been a little bit like uh mountain biking in Pennsylvania, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Off camber, rocky, bumpy, fresh uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not always fun. Um, but I'm, I'm in a pretty darn good place now. You know, there's still a lot of work ahead for me. Um, uh, I mean, (laughs) to put this in perspective, we made this decision a week before the fires happened here (laughs) in Santa Rosa.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but I got like the metaphors ablaze. That is.
0: It's it's appropriate. And, you know, the 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 absurdity of the situation was it's like, OK, so I guess we're going to be moving. And then the town burns down. It's like, OK, so there's no place to move. Uh, oh, life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, it's it's been a real study in, you know, what do I need to do to be more patient, uh, more cooperative? Uh, even in the face of knowing yeah. that the things that I used to want out of this relationship, I'm clearly not going to get. And yet I still need to, uh, to be as constructive as possible.
1: You know, b- bikes, I, I would argue that bikes teach you that too. You have to be patient with the process. Sometimes it's the outcome is not always what you expected. Learn yeah. from what went wrong <laughs> into postmortems, <laughs> get back in the saddle, try again. Like that's, that's, you know, the, I I, sometimes people bristle at sports metaphors and whatever, but it's true that that's what we do those things for. They teach us about ourselves and they teach us lessons, you know, they teach us that resilience and those lessons. It's important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, I mean, when I think, you know, when I think about, well, what does my work contribute to others? Um, I, you know, obviously the, the easy answer there's, yeah, I'm not helping cure cancer. But I think about Abraham Maslow and, you know, personal realization, you know, and, uh, and the, the sense of, you know, you're helping someone, uh, achieve those things in their life that gives their life meaning. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've always been very focused on quality of life, uh, you know, being a musician, (laughs) what are you doing? You're entertaining people. That's quality of life. And so looking at it through that lens and knowing that you may be helping someone else uh live a more satisfying life. Man, that's good enough. I I yeah. I'm out. Yeah, uh, no,
1: that's fair. That's fair. It's all Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful life.
0: It is. It really is. Yeah. Um hmm. thanks. Sure thing. Uh what's your what's your pick
1: this week? <laughs> <laughs>
0: We've talked a little bit about fueling of late. We have. <laughs> we might say that's a theme uh, for, for this spring. It's,
1: I think it's going to be a bigger theme. Someone's got dirty cans are coming
0: up. But yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's that? Oh, oh. Mm, yeah.
1: Not <laughs> me this year. <laughs>
0: anyway. <laughs> yeah. So fueling has been a big concern, uh, not just for the last month, but yeah, for, at least through the beginning of June. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going with a friend and I'd mentioned that, uh, that to the, you know, I was looking for alternatives to wrapper fruits. Right. Um, right. and so I pulled out Alan Lim and Bijou Thomas's cookbook feed zone portables. Yep. And we picked three recipes from them, fudged them a tiny bit because we ran short on sticky rice. Oops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then sp- spent a chunk of the weekend, like, Friday, uh, Saturday afternoon and into the evening and then some a Sunday morning as well. Um, uh, you know, making up three different, uh, recipes from it. What did you choose? Can I ask? Uh, there was, uh, there was the peach, coconut peach rice balls. Oh, that's good. And then there was an apple rice device type thingy. And then there was a, um, an egg and mushroom Ooh. and something else, something more one of the savory. savory ones. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. No, no bacon in that, which I think could have improved it perhaps. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we did those, those three and uh, you know, took them out on rides on Sunday, uh, which was itself a, an interesting affair with one person going down and losing some skin and some blood and uh, some, 50 oh degree rain and
1: <laughs> um. how did the rice balls hold up?
0: You know, they did really well and you know, we, we did a great job. Uh, I mentioned at the outset that it's really critical that you do the whole fold the way they illustrate in the book, you know, with the parchment paper yep. and, the, and the aluminum foil, you've really got to follow their directions on the fold because once you get it open, you've got this little envelope basically you can just chomp out of. Yeah. And that's really key. And it's funny because for whatever reason in the past, when I've eaten them, you know, when someone else has made them, I've never really thought about the moisture content of mm-hmm. those things and how easily they go down. But for some reason, last Sunday, it was like, oh, my God, these things just go down like, you know, like a drink almost. Uh, it, You know, sure, there's some some chewing, but they went down really easy. Um, And then. You know, there was the fact that I am, I'm not a cook. (laughs) I'm not a cook. Uh, I lack ambition. But when working with another person, working on those things really became quite fun. Uh, You know, there was a certain assembly line aspect Mm -hmm, to it, mm -hmm. working coordinated with another person. And, you know, that can, that can be fun sort of teamwork. Yep. And And so that you know, it was it was better than watching a movie. Um, yeah, that's cool. you know. So the book is published by Vel- by Velo Press and includes really a stunning variety of recipes. Not only that, it's you know, it's not just a cookbook. It breaks down fueling on the bike yeah. from start to finish. They do a good job. And of that. I think one of the things that people don't really appreciate uh, about Alan Lim and Bijou Thomas's work is that they've They've worked into this from working with the most elite cyclists on the planet, grand tour riders Mm -hmm. and what it takes to get them through a grand tour. They bump up against all sorts of things that you, well, you may have bumped up against, but I, to a great degree, have not bumped up against these limitations like flavor fatigue. You Uh, know, having a drink that's so sweet that even when you're drinking something else, you're still tasting the last drink Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know. Yeah. Gut rot on a scale that I can't even imagine, <laughs> you know, and still getting them through so that after finishing a 130 mile day, they can do a 110 mile day the next day and yep. the day after. Yeah, I so really appreciate that about that. It's a it's a very it's, you know, like I said, it's more than a, a recipe book. It's really a kind of a fueling digest.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They, I appreciate that he does. I have all of their books and. They do spend a good deal of time outline the whys, you know, outline yeah. like what, what it's about. And I have a pro tip for you: please don't ever freeze them and take them because the mm. first dirty canza. Uh, I I am a cook, but I'm not a baker. I, I'm not so precise. So I like Dave actually took the reins and made a bunch of them, and we took them with us. They do not freeze, and it probably says so in the book, and neither of us saw it. But huh. they because that that moisture content disappears, yeah. and you have this awful dried out unpalatable mess um yeah which is terrible to discover when you're yeah 30 miles a 200 mile whatever it's a good thing i always pack alternatives because that would have been that would have been not good that would have been not good yeah so their best their best brush their best uh don't freeze
0: Yeah. Uh, actually, m- my intention is to make one batch after we get to Emporia.
1: That's that's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect.
0: Bring a, a rice cooker and, you know, make some up on Friday. Oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. Uh, what you got? Funny you,
1: you mentioned Allen Lim because I have an Allen Limb product as well. Yeah. Uh, really? uh, yeah. Mine is a Scratch Labs sports recovery mix, which Strangely enough, I've never used. I've used almost, I thought I had used almost, I know, I know. I thought I had used almost everybody's recovery mix. Because I use a ton of their products. I'm a very big fan because of that savory element. I get Uh sweeted out really quickly. And I find most stuff too sweet for me. Like, most Uh sports nutrition just bugs me to no end because I don't like that sweetness. Uh, And I, like, I love their matcha. I've mentioned this before. Like, I like that a lot. But I, so... He sent this to me because, you know, we've been talking about different, all that different stuff, like my tastes and and gut rot. And the interesting thing about this recovery mix, not only is it delicious and mi- mixes very easily with water, you know, it's not clumpy, mixes super easily. It's It tastes like a cinnamony, but not too sweet vanilla. So it just goes oh, down. Oh, the
0: horchata flavor? yeah,
1: I love it. Yeah, the hor- it's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But going back to gut health, it contains one billion probiotic cultures per serving. It's got probiotics in it, active cultures. Interesting. Which, which he he did because there's been science and there was literally just a study that came out maybe a week or two ago that I followed that uh, when they gave marathoners this kind of probiotics going into their training, they had the ones that had probiotics had significantly less gut, GI distress, significantly. Because it, it, the gut takes a beating with this stuff, right? And the probiotics just help it keep healthy. So it helps maintain the integrity of your GI system. So I am going to keep this in my rotation. So just, you know, because that's, mm. that's a super good benefit. And, it can't and I you. just
0: placed an order with them today and I didn't order any of that. It's so good. Um, I've got I've got a bunch of various you know protein mixes right now, and I just didn't think I needed another one. But now I've made a mistake.
1: But it's it is it is something to consider. It's Mm. it's a thoughtful product.
0: Okay. Wow. Well, uh, note to self in that case. Um, So one thing I want to mention before we go into the end of the show, um, I want to do a get together. In Emporia with PaceLine listeners and RKP readers. Good idea. So there is uh, a rider meeting from four to five in Emporia. They do two, right? A late Mm -hmm. afternoon and then an evening one for everybody who had to drive in after work. Uh, I'm going to be at the rider meeting from four to five. And when I walk out of the rider meeting at five o'clock, I am going to gradually make my way down the street to six ten merchant street to radius brewing. And oh, it's a nice place. Yeah. And so if you're a pace line listener, if you're an RKP reader, if you're uh, a fan of Celine's, even though she won't be there, I can, <laughs> be there I can be <laughs> Yeah. Maybe we can get a cardboard cutout of you to, to you. hang <laughs> on, you know, bring along. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm I'm thinking that by 530, I can be at Radius Brewing and I'd love to just say hi to Paste Line listeners and friends of RKP and all that. So, oh, uh, drop by, you know, we'll have a beer. I think we can permit ourselves one beer before totally. we go to Kansas.
1: Absolutely. You know? Yeah, <laughs>
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, so many of these people, I, I see comments from them. You know, oh, yeah, the, we, we definitely know there, there are a bunch of beat
1: readers, our listeners going. We've seen it in yeah. the comments. Yeah. Yeah. So That's cool.
0: Come on out. Uh, alrighty. And w- are you humbling yourself with anything this weekend?
1: <laughs> That's like the mission of the season. No, what am I doing? No. Well, the, it is. It's not a race. It's the last of the Kermessis. Uh, oh, classics uh-huh. is this weekend. It's the fool's classic. And it's for the first time he's having a long course one, which is 102 miles. And I'm guessing it's going to be about 10 K of climbing. He's, he claims it to be the hardest thing he's put together, which is saying something. So the weather looks beautiful. (laughs) It hard. It does not look hot. It does not look cold. It looks Goldilocks. So my hope is that it will be as good of a day as I'm, I'm hoping for. So yeah, yeah, it'll, it should be a really special event.
0: Excellent. Cool. You're
1: just tapering eight feet
0: up um, doing- I'm tapering yeah i I did the first of the dirt crits last night and oh, wow. okay <laughs> got through the start shoot, began making our way up the hill and the first turn and I was blowing up. I, I, I was I wasn't a third of the way into the opening hill and I was blowing up. I just I cannot do that kind of intensity right now,
1: right um, that makes sense. You're just you not know, there. Not, it's not yeah, where you're at right now. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so, you know, I made my peace with getting lapped twice by <laughs> all the fast guys, uh, you know, but I still, you know, I managed to do seven of the nine laps. No. Um, you know, you just keep I going, had fun. It's a great community, Yeah. you know, um, but Sunday. So there's this, this spot I've told you about that. I go mountain biking out in West County. It's just mm-hmm. this little slice of heaven. Because of all the rain this year, and I mean that place gets pounded. If we get an inch in Santa Rosa, they get four inches up on the ridge. Ooh. Yeah, it's it gets pounded. Well, I have ridden there. R- remember, it's late May now. I've ridden there once this year, since January first. Yeah, I've been so I've been wet there there. once. Yeah, yeah. So Sunday, I'm going for an easy ride there. I'm not going to kill anything. Right, <laughs> Definitely right. not myself. Not right. anybody else. But I am going to get out. I'm going to have a fun little spin there. Perfect. But, All the rest of my rides between now and when I leave are going to be on my seven, the bike that I'm going to ride there. Right, Right. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, well, hey, everybody, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. Uh, I've actually got another one to answer in a in a future show. Uh, If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Groves for cyclists. This week's show features Paul Sadoff of Rock Lobster in a really rich and fun interview. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes this easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thank you for listening to The Pace Line.